welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with these products or their benefits, don't hesitate to ask. It's all about educating yourself on these products and their benefits. So give Artisan Botanicals a call, 405-458-9699. Their ownership ownership and staff are dedicated to helping you live a better life. So again, 405 405- 458-9699. Plus, when you order online, we're saving you 15%. abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW. Once again, for 15% off your online order, abotanicalcompany.com. All right, weekly Wednesday guest is Aaron Davis. Happy Wednesday. Aaron Davis is our guest every single Wednesday. Aaron, what's happening? Not much, not much. Just, uh, just hanging out, trying to get through the week like every other week just just wait i'm uh i'm getting my first covid vaccine on saturday so oh wow see how that okay. goes yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make the long trek down to norman and uh nice have a needle stuck in my arm there you go do you know what you're getting yet uh i believe it's the pfizer okay that's which one did you get i, I had pfizer yeah pfizer okay yeah. yeah i'm uh saturday man it's uh I was gonna do it. Uh, I was gonna do it on Friday, but then I was like, "Well, I need to work on Friday, so yeah, I don't want to get it and then be dying or something." You know what right, I mean? Right. Like, right. Well, the first so. one I had no no issues whatsoever, other than on the second day my arm was sore, uh, but that was it. I mean, there was there was nothing else. And then the second one, again, on the day I got it, no issues whatsoever. But the next morning when I woke up from head to toe, my entire body, every muscle in my body was just sore as could be. So, but which, which I, I can deal with as yeah. long as look, I'll be honest with you. As long as I'm not like having diarrhea or have, I, like, I have a runny nose, I could deal with all the other symptoms. I just can't. Those are like, <laughs> especially the runny. If I got a runny yeah. nose, it's just going to annoy the hell out of me all day. And it's just going to ruin my day. Yeah. I, I mean, I know people that have experienced nothing. Uh, I know people that have had, like, upset stomachs and headaches and things like that. So I think it's, it just varies with every person. I don't think there's, like, a unanimous you're going to have this or that. Uh, so, right. yeah, it's just how I think everybody's body is going to handle it differently. So you may get yeah, nothing. Yeah, it'll be fun. Hopefully. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit like COVID, right? Like I know people that had COVID and literally like didn't experience a, a single issue. And then I know other people that were in the hospital. I mean, it's, you know, you just, you have no idea how your body's yeah. going to handle it specifically. So. Yeah. And I never got sick. Like I have not been sick one time since COVID started. So like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Same. Which is, uh, it's weird because I usually get like a head and chest cold about three or four times a year and it, it mm-hmm. never fails that it like moves into my lungs and then I get a lung infection. And I mean, it's like a, it's a solid like week long thing. Every time I get it, that I'm just completely miserable. That's, that's yeah. been the only nice part about all this is not getting that, that cold that seems to go around Same that more. just makes its way from my head to my lungs. And then I, I'm, I feel like I'm dying. Yeah, I, know. I guess maybe wearing a mask and social distancing helped you <laughs> helped you not get that uh, that that cold you get every year. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It'll be uh, it'll be fun. I'm excited. I, I just want to get it out of the way. There you go. There you go. Uh, the college basketball season is over. Monday night, the national championship was played. Um, Baylor looked terrific, by the way. But uh, what's next for you? 
I uh, just want to go ahead and gloat for a second. I did have Baylor beating Gonzaga in the uh, national championship game, which is nice. means nothing because it means nothing because I didn't watch a second of college basketball during the regular season, so it was literally just basing it off of last second like research and like guessing. Yeah, but yeah, Baylor looked good. Um, good for Baylor, you know that that school deserves it, man. They just they do everything by the books, do it all right. It's good. It's glad I'm glad to see that finally. Something went their way uh, that doesn't involve the uh, the lady that will not be mentioned that uh, I do not like at all. Uh, was it is it Kim Mulkin? Kim Mulkey. Is that her name? Yeah, Mulkey. Yeah, Ugh, dude, I can't stand her. She drives me insane. But uh, yeah, no, Baylor looked good, man. Uh, experience, good three point shooting, good defense, and it just hell. I mean, I you could probably i don't know if there's much argument because the game you know would have went another overtime and Gonzaga could have easily won in that overtime but who knows if Suggs doesn't hit that shot at the at the buzzer on Saturday i mean we could they may not even have been there we may not even have gotten Baylor beating Gonzaga and then we would have Baylor would have had a national championship where they beat only double digit seeds the entire time that's not true ba- beat Baylor Houston. beat Villanova and Arkansas who okay? It was Houston that Houston, only beat yeah, double digits. Yeah, it was Houston that played. Okay, yeah, okay. until they played. Uh, until they played Baylor, they hadn't played a single digit seed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I got it back. I got it mixed up. Yeah. So, and then obviously mind. their their massive step up as far as competition was uh, was pretty uh, evident when Baylor just yeah. ran them off the floor. Destroyed them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, never mind. So I'm wrong on that one, but. Uh, <laughs> What is next? Uh, well, we got the NFL draft coming up in a in a few weeks. I'm uh, been watching a good amount of baseball over the past few days. Um, that'll that'll taper off as the, as the days go. It'll go from you know I'll watch three games to yeah. you know one yeah. in a night. But um, yeah, I I've still had a hard time getting into the NBA. I I don't know what it is. Like I'm keeping up with it obviously, but as far as watching the games live, it just hasn't. I don't know. It just hasn't clicked. Maybe it's because I covered the league so, I guess, intensely for a few years that I'm kind of just, I don't know, it made, I'm not as big of a fan as I was, you know, yeah. six or seven years ago at the moment. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Just baseball and NFL drafts is kind of where I'm, uh, I'm putting my cards right now. There you go. I know a lot of people that are in that, uh, that camp, I think, as far as the NBA season. And I, I kind of wonder – and especially for you, because you're a Rockets fan, but you've covered the Thunder. Neither one of those teams is in contention. Um, so I, I, I kind of wonder how much the interest of the league overall in this area has gone down just simply because, you know, the product they're watching isn't on par with anything that's going to be seen in the postseason. Yeah, I can't. And like, you know, the Thunder obviously not allowing fans at any point this season. So like, you can't go attend the game. You can't really like even have that sense of because I think for a lot of sports fans that going to the games is what sparks their interest in that season. Like you go to one game and you're like, that was fun. I loved watching that team. I'm going to watch the next game on TV. And then it kind of just trickles down. But if you don't ever make it to that game, yeah, I mean, there's so many other things on TV. There's so many other things you could be doing. Um, just like, you know, when you're at home or you know outside, not at work or whatever, that it's kind of hard to, I think gain that interest. But I mean, it's, Definitely been an interesting season for the Thunder with the point that they went into the season with the idea to tank and they tried to put together like the be- the best worst team they could 
and they the team was too good, and then they had to con- like yeah. completely reevaluate and make it even worse to the point where like there's times in the past few weeks where they've been borderline unwatchable, and then Houston's I don't know, Houston's terrible. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they, well, they almost lost like twenty in a row at one point. Yeah, it's it, what a weird situation it is for this Thunder team because I, I said coming into the year, I thought that the development of the young guys was priority number one, and then priority two was tanking, obviously. Um, and they were developing those young guys at such a great rate that it almost destroyed priority number two, which is the tanking. And now they're having to like really kick it into overdrive to make up for all the games that they won that they probably shouldn't have because they they just they gained so much ground. Uh, and you know, we were talking about this, what, two or three weeks ago at that point, there were like nine or 10 teams in the NBA that had worse records than the Oklahoma city thunder. That was, that was beyond crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who, I mean, they, they literally sat L Horford down for this season. Um, obviously a reason they never played for him. So trading a that, that really had no effect other than just getting like a couple of draft picks right. back and having to cut, uh, Myers Leonard. But yeah, um, I can't believe that uh, George Hill still on the team. That was a little shocking that they kept him. Oh, no, he went to Philadelphia. I'm sorry. He went to Philadelphia. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they cut Justin Jackson the other day, which, I mean, why, I guess? Maybe Inspiring contract, I think, was was the issue there. Okay. I mean, you're just not, yeah, you're, you're not going to re-sign him. Well, yeah, but why? I mean, I guess if you want to let him go sign for another team, but... If well, they probably con- tried to move him, couldn't get anything. Right. So it was just he's like... He's expiring contract, so why not just yeah. let him ride out? Well, because you're trying to lose. Because that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's too good. Right. He might be in a situation where <laughs> yeah. he has to play and he's too yeah. good. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting, though, because the uh, they have a lottery-protected pick, right? That they traded, that they brought in... I'm sorry, I'm... Dude, my NBA knowledge is like just gone to the to the shed right now. Uh, the the Houston pick, right? The Houston pick is what top, top five four. or four or five protected. I think it's top four protected. Which uh, not looking good. Not looking good for Oklahoma City getting that. Uh, yeah, that Houston pick right now. So, I mean, they're looking at what like. I get. I mean, it really depends how they finish the season now, but they're not going to have a top five pick. Most likely. Yeah. Which they have their own first rounder this year. They have the Heat's first rounder, right? That's unprotected. They have which that's gonna be at the that's lower a, end. Not a lot of pay, yeah. Uh the, they have the Warriors first rounder, which it looks like is top twenty protected. They which have the They're not gonna get probably pick swap for the Rockets first rounder that's top four protected. Um, <laughs> and then let's see, Nuggets first rounder. That sounds right from the Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant trade, maybe. Trade, I assume, yeah. Yeah, so they're not getting the Houston pick, most likely, although it's possible. It's possible that Houston could follow the top four and they can end up with the fifth or sixth pick. Yeah. Why, uh, Golden State, they're not getting because Golden State's not making the playoffs. Miami's going to be on the back end of the draft. Denver, whatever it is, if it's not protected, it's still going to be at the back end of the draft because, I mean, Denver's the fourth seed in the West right now. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to – I don't know. I'll be curious to see if uh, they use those draft picks at the end of the first round or package them and, and move up potentially or 
bring in a veteran. I don't know. I don't. I don't know in Presti's mind how long this rebuild is going to last. Like if he's giving it a five year window, or if it's kind of like a yeah two to three year thing, and then they're gonna they're gonna go in pretty heavy on some veteran players and bring in some guys. Obviously, they need to resign Shea. Uh, yeah. I think that's probably priority number one. But you got to. I don't know. I, I think that right now you're hoping that the culture that you built around Oklahoma city and the fact that, you know, uh, they, they have been successful with the team they've had this year that it convinced Shay that if he sticks around and waits for them to get better, that they're going to be good. But I mean, he's going to be, I would imagine there's probably going to be close to 29 teams, hell probably 30. If you include the thunder in the, in the league, they're going to be trying to get Shay once his contract's up. Yeah, obviously they have a big advantage with the ability. I mean, this will be his first, you know, first big contract. So right. uh, it, it makes all the sense in the world that he stays here and, and they have the ability to pay him. Um, you know, as far as the timeline of the rebuild, I, I've heard a lot of people have this conversation. Is it a three-year rebuild? Is it a five-year rebuild? Like, and when you start looking at all the draft picks that have been ac- accumulated and when some of those take place, again, it's it's an interesting conversation to me because people want to try and say, like, this is your timeline with the NBA and the lottery system. I don't think you can put a timeline on a rebuild, especially for a team like Oklahoma city. Now, if you're the Lakers or the heat or somewhere that, you know, free agency is also an Avenue for you to rebuild, then uh, maybe the timeline makes a little bit more sense, but because the NBA is with the draft, at least lottery specific, um, the Thunder are kind of at the mercy of figuring out where their draft picks are. I mean, if you're not drafting in the top five, it almost feels like that probably delays your progress by yeah. a year. And if you're not able Unless to trade lucky, into the yeah. top five, I think that almost delays your progress for a year. So if the Thunder don't have a top five pick, it almost feels like whatever that timeline is, is just delayed for another year because you're probably not getting one of those massive difference makers that you're building around. So, yeah, yeah. And part of the problem, too, in that scenario is so if you're looking to trade some of these future draft picks for an established asset, it's going to be a little bit harder to sell those draft picks to the team you're trading with because you're going to get better. Like you're bringing in better players to get better. So your first round pick that you have in 2026, its value is diminished. Like those those picks hold value to other teams if they think that Oklahoma City is going to be bad. Yeah. Now, I mean, you could throw on protections and stuff on there if you're Oklahoma City, but like, it. I don't know. There's just so many. The way that Presti has set up their future asset like collection. Um, I mean, they can do it. There's so many ways they could take take this road. Like, there's so many different routes they could go. Like yeah. you said, like tank and just get a few picks in the top five, top seven range and like just build a young roster like they did the last time when they had you know Durant Harden and Westbrook who are all top they're all top five picks yeah um and just it worked out but Durant I mean, there's was a lot two, of te- Westbrook was what four and Harden was four, three three yeah yeah but uh, there's also a lot of teams there's teams that have done that that didn't work out the 76ers mm-hmm. tried that for a long time and they missed on a lot of top five picks I mean, just like yeah, Jalil Okafor, uh, Michael Carter Williams, Michael Carter. I don't think Michael Carter Williams was a top five pick. I think he was later in the, he was like the back end of the top ten. But still, he was the rookie of the year. But other than that, yeah, they missed on a lot of dudes. Um, 
Cleveland struggle. Yeah, it's it's not a guarantee that you're going to get three Hall of Famers. Right. Like they, you know, the Thunder might play basketball for a, a hundred years and never hit on three for three Hall of Famers in three drafts in a row. Like that's just it's. Yeah, I would assume it's not going to happen. But anyways, they could go through the draft. They could trade these picks and bring in veteran players. We know that PT guys aren't going to come here in free agency, so those are their two options. Like, trade these assets and get good right away for a short period of time, or potentially get good through the draft and yeah. you know be contenders for five to ten years like they were the last time. Yeah, I think the I think the way that it was done the last time is the formula for OKC. Because even if you're trading for established guys, once again, there's going to be a point where their contract is up and, you know, at that, depending on where they are and in, in their stage of the NBA career, you know, maybe the bigger contract isn't as meaningful as going somewhere that's more desirable or somewhere that has a better chance to win a championship. So it's, it's kind of an interesting balance where for Oklahoma city, it makes sense to have the youngest guys possible, the guys that want to get those big paychecks with their first one or two contract signings, uh, and you know the way to do that is is through the draft. You're able then you're able to develop them the way you want to develop them. So, yeah, I think uh, to me the most unfortunate thing of this season, and it's you know I know Thunder fans really were enjoying what they were watching for the the majority of the season, a, a, another overachieving team. But it's I think the, the unfortunate thing is in a year where you didn't have people in the stands anyway, this seemed like the perfect opportunity to 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 tank the way they're tanking now, and end up with, you know, a, a Cade Cunningham or, uh, you know, whether that's Jalen Suggs ultimately. Uh, and, and look, maybe maybe they ultimately get one of those guys. But as it stands right now, they're not in position to, to land Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs. No. Yeah, it's not even close, really. I mean, they're way on the outside looking in to get one of those two guys. Yeah. I would... I... I would say that it's probably a guarantee that they're not going to be in the top three. Obviously, it's a it's a obviously it's a lottery, so they could luck in and get in the top three. But yeah, I mean they're going to have to get by six or seven, five or six teams to get into those spots. So yeah, right now I think they're slated. If if the balls drop the way they're supposed to, I think they're slated for like the ninth pick. That's not good. Yeah. That's. Yeah, that's, I mean, you could always get the, lucky. That's, I mean, that's also right. the good thing about the lottery. Just because you're bad, it, it doesn't guarantee you the number yeah. one. I mean, pick, you could, but yeah, you could get a Steph Curry at nine or something. Like, yeah, right. there's there's dudes that could fall there, but I would say, yeah, especially in this draft, like it's for a long time, it's been Cade Cunningham. It's been Cade Cunningham one, and since he was in high school, and Jalen Suggs up there yeah. too. Like, I mean, we've known who the two the dudes are in this draft for years, so. I don't know. You could get, yeah, you could definitely get lucky, but you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, getting a guy like Kate Cunningham to go alongside Shea would have been, I mean, that would have been a huge difference maker in their, in the projection of their future moving forward. But the thunder in spite of themselves, like they can't, they, they keep winning. Like they can't yeah. for whatever reason, well, uh, they were the one year yeah, they that, were. that culture, they were, yeah, yeah. they finally just, threw all the towels in and uh, I've decided to embrace the tank that they probably should have embraced from the beginning, but yeah, they've lost oh, uh, six of their last seven and that's, that's the right way to do it. Yeah. 37 point loss. There was the what? 47 point loss to Portland. Uh, they <laughs> lost to Detroit by um, 
24 or 26 or something like that. Um, the, lost to Dallas by like 21. The The funny thing is they have one of the worst point differentials in the NBA too. Yeah. Looking at it right now, the only team with the teams with a worse point differential than Oklahoma City, uh, Cleveland. It's the only one. It's Cleveland's the only nice. one by point two points. Remember that year so, I mean, yeah, with uh, Paul George and Carmelo, where it, I mean, we were all just constantly waiting on that team to really get going, and and all of us were criticizing that team the entire year. And I rem- I'll never forget Billy Donovan in one of his post-game press conferences, started talking about net margin. And I was just like, are you kidding me? He's like, well, if you look at our net margin, we're, you know, we're... Well, yeah, because you're just blowing out bad teams. Yeah, we're like, you know, plus two or something. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, yeah, it doesn't... I mean, look... This team has three plus, all-stars! Right. If you're plus two, but you're at 500, it doesn't really mean much. It yeah. just means that you, the games you've won, you've blown teams out, but you're still losing as many as you're winning. Yeah. I was just like, come on, man. Don't give me net margin in a year so, that, that basically, you know, every every move was made to, to you know, let that team make a run. But, yeah, yeah net the margin. The net margin for the Thunder this year, though, shows that they can lose. Like, they can lose bad. They yeah. know how to lose. But uh, – at least up to this point, over the well, up until about the last week and a half, two weeks, like they, yeah. they also knew how to win some games. Well, maybe I shouldn't say they knew how to win the games. They, they found their, themselves winning games. I don't know if this team's experienced enough to know how to win a game. Yeah. Speaking of Carmelo, uh, I, I sent you this uh, this screenshot the other night during the national championship game. It was mind blowing to me. So during the Baylor Gonzaga game, Jared Butler, who I think ended like ended the game with like twenty two points and seven assists, they showed a graphic that said first player in a college basketball national championship game to score twenty points and have seven assists going back to Carmelo Anthony in two thousand three was the last time that a singular player in a championship game went for 20 and seven to which I was just, first of all, just dumbfounded by the fact that there's not been another individual performance of 20 points and seven assists. That, that to me is mind blowing. How's that not happen? Yeah, I, 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 I think I said it to you the other night. Like it's, it's crazy that in a sport in college basketball, in men's college basketball, that where so many offenses are predicated on movement and like, passing the ball and everybody touches the ball that do just don't get assist. And that's part of the reason that college basketball is hard for me to watch because there's, they, they, they do all this movement and passing and then it ends up in a guy and he dribbles and takes a bad shot. Like there's, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if you can't get seven assists in a game, like 20 points and seven assists is not that hard. There's been a lot of good players that played national championship games. So yeah, to go, what is that? 18 years. Yeah. 18 since years. The last yeah. one. I think Crazy. a couple of things that shows, number one is just the overall scoring. I think, you know, when you get to way the championship low, yeah. game is way low. What you just described as far as the assist numbers is also a true story. But I think the third thing is how often do we get like the, the Cade Cunningham types that actually play in a, in a championship game, the guys that have the yeah. skill sets to, to do something like that. Cause maybe it's, it's more of a situation where, I think you just have more well-rounded teams generally. I mean, look at the champions over the last 10 years. I feel like for the, for, for the most part, uh, it's not necessarily teams that are dominated with one guy kind of being the star of the show, right? Like 
both of the Villanova champions were extremely well-rounded teams that potentially, you know, it could be a different guy on any given night that leads the way. Same thing with the Baylor team that just won. Uh, same thing with the Virginia team a couple years ago. I think the majority of the champions over the last decade aren't necessarily led there by one guy like the Carmelo Anthony situation, like one guy being completely dominant as much as it's just a, a collection of guys that all just, you know, have, have good chemistry. And again, it's, it just, it, it could be a different guy on any given night. Like Baylor going into the championship game had a leading score four different times in their last four games before the yeah. championship game. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I'm looking at the Villanova Michigan national championship game for 2018. The most assists by an individual player in that game was three by uh, DiVincenzo, who also had yeah. 31 points. Yeah. So, you know, if he would have passed a little, if you were cut four more times, he could have had that that 20 and seven that number. But yeah, it's you're you're probably right. There's not a lot of dudes that play national championship games in recent memory that have such a like broad skill set that they could get 20 points and seven assists. Like it's just right. It seems to be one or the other, and most of it. I, it seems like most of the time, it's just the assist numbers are never there. Right. Uh, uh, your response see. to that, by the way, was uh, was the best ever. Oh, it's probably the last time Carmelo had twenty points and had seven assists in a game. <laughs> <laughs> Carmelo passing the ball enough times to get seven assists. Yeah. Assists, yeah. I mean, ever Syracuse had to be perfect. I think when he passed the ball that day, I to get seven. I, assists. I looked it up because uh, I was like that seems like it could be true. Like it seems like a stat that could legitimately be true. So I looked it up. He had, he had done it a couple of times, but yeah, his career high was 11 assists and he, and he did it once against the thunder. So it's not like he was out there <laughs> getting a ton of assists, but it's yeah. Yeah. Carmelo jab, step, jab, step, pump I, fake, jab, step, dribble, pump fake, shoot. That's I couldn't imagine. Like I would imagine too, in that game where he had 11 assists, like seven of them, he told the guy, don't shoot right before the guy shot. He's just trying to pass it out to get out of the double team, and then he wants it right. back. No, don't shoot, don't shoot. Oh, He's on. the pass the ball and then clap. And like as soon as yeah. the ball leaves your hands, you're clapping to, to get it back. Ball, 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 ball. Yeah, yeah, like the uh, the Jackie Moon thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So good, so good. Did you happen to catch uh, Shohei Otani on Sunday Night Baseball? Uh, I So... The home run, I don't know if it's ESPN just has, I, I, I know that they mic up a little bit heavier around the plate for Sunday night baseball and for their ESPN broadcast. Yeah. The sound of the ball off his bat on that home run. I've never heard that sound before. Like, I've you ever watched, watched the natural? Baseball. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. So yeah. I heard it one time. There, yeah. Where, it's like thunder. Yeah. Yeah, like the guy destroys the lights at a at Yankee Stadium. Was it Yankee Stadium, right? Or was it in Detroit? It was Yankee Stadium, right? I don't remember if it was Yankee Stadium or not. It's been, Whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so, look, I and he hit 100 in his, you know, the first inning. He got hurt, which was a bummer. Like, that was kind of, that kind of sucked that he left the game. But obviously, he's fine. He, he's yeah. played since then. But. I, I want Shohei to be good because it's fun for baseball, but just, God, I wish he was in a different division. I wish he didn't play for the Angels. Yeah, same. Like, I can't I, just, I can't root for the Angels. Like, if the Angels were in the AL Central, I would love that team. Trout, Otani, like, uh, Rendon, like, they're a fun team. Oh, but yeah. 
just freaking an AOS, man. Like, it's hard for me to cheer for him. But Otani's wild, man. Like, I really thought that going into the season that they I, – I know Joe Madden, like, really wants to try the uh, the two-way thing. And I don't know if that's part of the reason he went to L.A. was to, like, co- to manage Otani and, deal and, like, see what he could do with him or whatever it was. But – He's dealt with so many injury stuffs, like and like he he had Tommy John right a couple of years ago. Like yeah. came in with like issue elbow and shoulder issues from Japan, and I'm just like, I it feel like you need to pick one or the other. Like, and I would assume DH would probably be the safer pick. But I mean, as of right now, like from the game one, he was he was awesome, man. That's it's a lot of fun to watch a pitcher bat second and hit a 115 mile an hour home run yeah. off the bat. Yeah, he has the uh, the hardest hit baseball and the fastest thrown pitch this season. I think he hit the triple digits like eight times in that game, and he pitched, what, five innings? Uh, Something like that. I, I, when he's on the mound, if he's also in the lineup, I think he's he's the best watch in the entire league. Like, that, well, his yeah. stuff is sick. And again, the, the health is the only issue. If he stays healthy, like, he's a superstar. The guy just oh, for he sure. has incredible stuff, and the and to have that ability, the the power at the plate, I it it's it's awesome. And again, I, I know that uh, you know he came in with a lot of fanfare and a lot of excitement, and you know we saw this his rookie year, and then he got hurt, and it's like, I think that's the biggest fear, and that's that's the reason that everybody is so cautious with like jumping on this bandwagon. But he is the best watch in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah. And it's and like, he's just, he's such, I don't know. Like, I want to say he's like kind of the opposite of what we've seen from most uh, players from Japan. Like he's six four two ten Like he's a big dude. Monster. Yeah. Yeah. So like you see his frame, you see his size. Like you could see how he could hit a home run 450 feet. And then the next inning throw 101 mile an hour fastball. But, um, I had a point I was going to make. Um, oh, the it, it's the funny thing is next year he might be the only pitcher in the in the entire league batting. If they go to yeah. a, a universal DH, like he will be the only pitcher in a lineup batting, which would be crazy. I, I, are you how what are you, are you for against the universal DH? One thousand percent for. For okay, you're an American. You've always been an American League guy, so yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I was a Rangers fan, but I grew up watching dominantly National League games. I grew up watching the Braves on TBS Braves, and the yeah. Cubs on WGN. So, like, I, I wouldn't say I'm a Braves or a Cubs fan, but obviously, like, I like both of those teams because I grew up watching them on a daily yeah. basis. So, um, while I'm a Rangers fan, I feel like growing up, I watched far more National League ba- uh, baseball with those two teams. But, I mean, the bottom line is... Uh, it, it's the DH just makes the game better. Like bottom line. It does. Yeah. I mean, watching the pitchers bat just in knowing that you have 98 times out of a hundred, it's an automatic out in that nine spot right. or eight spot. If you're, you know, one of those quirky managers that likes to bat their pitcher eighth. Right. Um, the only, I agree with that. Like a DH is way better. I'd rather watch a DH hitting that lineup than the pitcher. But at the same time, there's that aspect, and I think there's going to be a lot of like pure, purest baseball fans that are going to. This is going to be their argument: is it just takes away from the strategy aspect of the National League, of the the double switches and the 
yeah. you know, the utilizing the pinch hitters and all that stuff, like we'll get used to it. Like we went through an entire season last year where the NL had a right. DH. So it, it will be fine, but it, it, it will suck though to not, you know, have to worry about that aspect of the game. But I mean, the Astros are in the, I, like, I'm an American league guy now too. Like the Astros are in the American league. So yeah. it's not an ass. It's not something that I see all the time. And at this point when I watch baseball, but I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm one of those baseball purists at heart that having these drastic changes to the game are hard for me to to accept at the beginning. If ninety percent of the pitchers didn't literally like not give a shit about batting, then maybe I would feel yeah, differently. Right. But none of them care about batting. Like, why are yeah. we doing this? We're paying these guys. Pitchers make boatloads of money to throw mm. the baseball. Why would they give a give a damn about stepping into a batter's box and working on hitting or, you know, what happens over the course of a game. If you get a hit, great. If you get a walk, great. But like they're getting paid millions of dollars to throw a baseball. Yeah. So, I guess too, I guess too, if you're a team, if you're the, a national league team, you don't, you don't want your pitcher going up there and getting hit by a pitch right. or who knows, he gets on base and slides into second and breaks his finger, like, you know, breaks a thumb or something or whatever it might be. Like, yeah, you, the, the risk or too high. I mean, if you can get a DH in a National League team, it, it mitigates your risk for your pitchers yeah. a lot because then you only have to worry about them on the mound and in the field. You don't have to worry about them getting hurt swinging the bat or whatever. Not that you know most pitchers swing the bat hard enough to hurt themselves. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, mean, I love the it, well. It's more strategy to hit the pitcher and have to use the well. It's more strategy to have to work around another quality hitter. Yeah, like right. I can I can use that that argument also. Like, is it more strategy that I have to go face Clayton Kershaw in the ninth inning or because the DH is in play? Like, maybe it's Jock Peterson that could take me yard. Uh, yeah. Or, you know you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, there's yeah, strategy no in having to face a quali- an actual quality bat three or four times in the lineup right. also. I don't think there's, yeah, I don't think there's much argument for the other team having to strategize more to face the pitcher. I mean, <laughs> yeah. well, you might have to fill the sacrifice bunt. Like, yeah, yeah. that's fine. I the the strategy aspect for me is the team with the pitcher and dealing right, with all right, the, right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying like, there's this idea that you're robbing the game of a, an element of strategy. If you do the DH and I'm like, I mean, well, I mean, the major, the MLB is the only level of baseball where they have the pitcher has to bat. Yeah. Have you ever and seen the, the, have you ever seen the ESPN story on the DH and how it was almost, uh, universally a DH, but there was a guy on a fishing trip that didn't get the uh-huh. phone call to vote a certain way. And because of that, everybody followed and, and didn't vote for the DH. Have you ever seen this? Oh, no, no, you I've need to check that. it out. It's really fascinating and it's really interesting. And if this one dude wasn't fishing on the day that, that he was, that, that this vote happened, we would have had the DH like 30, 40 years ago. Cause they were all in favor of it. So even the people that are like, well, you know, the national league teams have always, the, no, they didn't. They all wanted the DH. Like you yeah, need to see this too, story. It's really interesting. Also, like I, I'm not a fan. I, I will say though, I'm not a fan of like the DH in the World Series. Always kind of sucks because you get those American League pitchers in like a game seven where you have to bat your pitcher once a time, like once every time through the lineup, and these dudes bat like like an American League pitcher might take ten at bats in a season. Right. And then it's game seven of the World Series, and he has to go up there to plate and do something. Yeah, it's like, yeah, stupid. That's... So stupid. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know what? You talk me into it. Let's let's just go ahead and get that universal DH. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's look the game evolves, and if uh, there are always people that are like, you know, it's the way it's always been, and um, why are we always trying to, you know, change the rules? It's it's not about changing the rules. It's about making the game the best it can possibly be. And if look, every sport has evolved, right? Like I hear this with basketball. Anytime there's a rule change discussed with basketball. It wasn't that long ago, what, 30, 40 years, when there wasn't even a three-point line. Like, if we just did that, like, I don't want a three-point line. We've never had one. It's, you know, the way it's always been is that we just score buckets in the paint. Like, games evolve. You have to evolve with the times. And it just, in today's world, when you have as many guys as there are that are specialists throwing 100 miles an hour, it just doesn't make any sense that based on the structure of how you have to pay those guys and the amount of, of focus that goes on just throwing the ball and as many guys as there are that, that hurt their arms to expect that those guys hit, it just it makes no sense when the DH is already used halfway throughout the league. Yeah, there, look, there's only two things that I hate about baseball, potential, like potential changes in baseball. One, it, at the end of the day, it's not a big deal. It just annoys me when it happens. Is the bullpen games. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate. I hate the bullpen like game starting like yeah I hate that I, it drives me insane because I think the best thing about baseball is having that ace on the mound and having that you know watching a starting pitcher put go seven innings watching and, like, like Degrom face Scherzer right that yeah. yes yeah I don't want to watch I don't want to watch a different pitcher every inning like it's just no fun like I can't get invested in this pitcher and like the game that he is having like that like that's one of the best things is like this dude's having a great game. Like I need to, I got to watch the next inning because I got to see if he can keep this up. Some teams just don't give it that, give us that on certain nights. Like, and it works sometimes like Kevin cash and and Tampa Bay has made, had a lot of success doing the bullpen starts, but it it takes me out of a little bit. Um, but it's not going to keep me from watching baseball. Now I will, I will lose my mind if they implement the rule where they, in extra innings, you start with a runner on second battle. Yeah. That that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough one for me to swallow. That's gonna be a big turnoff for me. But other than that, like base like baseball needs to evolve. They're they're falling way behind basketball and football in in the United States as far as popularity. Like they need to do something. It's because it's just either you love baseball and you're a big baseball guy, or you don't like baseball. There's no right. there's not very many people that fall in that in between stage. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, if, if you don't like baseball, I don't think any rule change is necessarily gonna gonna bring you over. Uh, but no, you have to, game, yeah, you, know? you have to evolve. And um, like the 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 extra inning thing, I'll tell you this: like, if they decided to do that during the regular season, I don't know that I would have a huge issue with it. Like, am I? Do I love the rule? No. Um, but if they wanted to do that in the regular season because you're gonna play 162 games to potentially like expedite these extra innings. Um, I'm okay with that. Do I want, I don't want it in the postseason. Like I don't want, yeah, definitely not. I don't want you to add this, this level of luck, if you will, to, you know, what potentially happens in a deciding game of a playoff series. So it, again, if that's, if that's like one of those, like, Hey, let's like expedite this for the sake of the regular season, kind of like the, the NFL regular season overtime rules, right? Like at the end of one overtime, it's a tie. Like that's not the case in, in, the playoffs because you can't end in a tie, but like, so 
again, uh, over the course of 162 games, it's not going to really bother me if they went that route. But I, you can't do that in the playoffs. I think you have to just yeah. let it play out when you get to the postseason and the game's really mattering. I just don't. I can't, Yeah, I don't know. I can't buy into it. It's just like... yeah. It's it's I think it's just part of the game. Like if the game goes twenty innings and it goes twenty innings, and then you have to deal with it the next you know for the next few days and like yeah. strategize around it. Like it just it doesn't happen that often. There's like right. maybe one or two games a year that go like fourteen innings plus or whatever. Like it's right. not a common thing that you need to worry about that game ending immediately in the tenth inning. Most most yeah. of the time it ends pretty quickly after the ninth inning within you know the next couple innings. But yeah. which is why I, it doesn't bother me either way. I mean it's just it, I don't know. I'm just I, I yeah, to me it's just, it's just not that big of a deal whether it happens or it doesn't happen. Like I'm I'm not uh I'm not on the edge of my seat every time a a regular season game goes to extra innings. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's just yeah, so I, many games that it just it's fu- it's whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Like I said, I'm just a grouchy old baseball fan that yeah. struggles with change in I'll, baseball. I'll, I'll tell you this though, I I hated the idea of the uh the play-in game. Right, like when they, when they first did that, mm-hmm. I hated the idea. I'm like the entire baseball season over the course of 162 games, and then even into your playoff is built on playing series and having different guys on the mound and like you build your team for it, yeah, yeah. And then your season lies in this one individual matchup on a singular day where you know maybe maybe the pitching matchup isn't in your favor. Uh, I hated yeah. the idea of it, and I was totally anti because it went against everything that baseball is for, you know, the, the eight months that it's played. Uh, but having experienced it now, I, I love that game. It's, fun, it's yeah. exciting. Every year it gives us great drama. Uh, I've, I've done a complete 180 on the play in game to the point that I, like I get, I get excited about it now. Yeah. I, I enjoy it as well. I mean, we had, uh, I, I, I still remember, like, I remember there was a Pittsburgh Cincinnati game from like 2014. 14 or 2015 yeah and uh, that, that was one of the my favorite baseball games i've watched in the past five to ten years like it was a lot of fun and maybe it had something to do with it, it was the, the fact that pits they were in pittsburgh and pittsburgh hadn't been in the playoffs in a long time i don't know but it was fun like yeah. it, it it's a lot of fun nine out of ten times you get a you get a fun great game um well you just you get year, a built-in game seven right like yeah winner exactly. go home it's what it's what we love in sports it's why we all love the ncaa tournament because the weight of every game is literally your season is on the line. And like, I, and look, and like I said earlier, like one of the best things in baseball is watching two aces battle yeah. or watching, you know, the stud pitcher on the mound. And most of the times in that wild card game, a team's going to put their best pitcher out on the mound. Right. Unless, you know, there's some weird circumstance where they happen to be in the rotation like a day before, or two days before. But most of the time you're getting like a bum garner on the mound for that game against a whoever, you right. know, or Cueto in Cincinnati, that Cincinnati Pittsburgh game. Um, but last year, like, it drove me crazy last year that the MLB expanded the playoffs. Like, that they, I don't, I, I, I did not understand why they did that because for the first time ever, they had such a shortened season where every, where the regular season meant so much more and you could have had the regular season games have carry so much more weight and you watered it down by adding more playoff teams. Yeah, but at the same time, not everybody was playing the same amount of games, right? Like, remember, well, we remember the, Car- the Cardinals missed, like, it felt like a month. I don't think it was a month, but there was, like, a... It was a couple weeks, yeah. It was a couple weeks where they, they didn't even play baseball. So, like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but when you don't have an even schedule, when when 
everybody's not playing that. the same amount of games. Well, they knew that there was the chance that, that chance. games were going to be delayed. Chance, yes. Yeah, so... Yeah, I, I don't know. Again, that, I think in extraordinary circumstances, that that didn't bother me at all last year because I, I, would I like that in a normal year? No. no right. But in a year when you can't guarantee that everybody's going to get to play all their games, um, I mean, if if you're the Cardinals and you played 15 less games than somebody, and you have like a .01 better winning percentage, are you really deserving of that playoff spot? No. So. But I mean, that's how Miami got Miami to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Hell, so, yeah. I, I mean, don't know. It's, it's tough. It's there, there's uh, there are a lot of things with sports that I, I think over the last year that I just I don't get upset about it because I just take it for what it's worth. Like we're all like making adjustments just to get through this, and hopefully at the end we're back to like the way things normally are. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think I think that my my issue was, and I, I've had this issue with. Rob Manfred in baseball, Major League Baseball, over the past few years, as it seems, I just feel like they're getting to a point where they're starting to get desperate and almost overcorrect in some scenarios. Yeah, because they understand that they're falling way behind and they need to do something. I don't know. That's that's just kind of the vibe I got with the playoff thing last year. But yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think there is something to that. I I think that there's obviously a big spike when you're talking about postseason baseball versus regular season baseball. So the For more sure. postseason baseball you get, the the more people are going to be tuned in. I mean, I know I have a lot of friends that uh, are paying attention in the postseason, but probably up to that point, haven't watched a single regular season game. So yeah, it just hey, means more well, money, more eyeballs, uh, more attention. Well, let me ask you a question. I'm going to, I'm going to change the topic real quick. If that's fine with you, because I, I, I got a question. I, I, I've got another baseball thing. Um, uh, that okay. Let's, if let's, we're going to get it. out of baseball, I want to swing okay, back. Yeah, to. yeah. No, well, yeah, no. Let's hit. But we'll we'll do that. I get okay. a lot of my question. Speaking of just Major League Baseball being completely idiotic, the the idea that first of all we're in this situation where, you know, some ballparks don't have fans, some ballparks have limited fans. Like everybody's doing it differently, obviously, mm-hmm. but. With, with everything that's happened over the last year, I think it's been a great opportunity for everybody, every sport, you know, every industry to evaluate the way things are being done and ask themselves, like, is this really, like, feasible going forward? And is this the right move going forward? And for baseball, especially, I think, you know, we saw them miss a massive opportunity last year by delaying the season. They could have been the only game in town, like, just complete idiots. But to take that a step further, not only did they go through all of last year without adjusting the way that their games are broadcast and their MLB packages. But now we're going into another season where once again, you have limitations nearly across the board uh, with whether fans can even be in the stadium or how many fans can be in the stadium to the point that you still can buy an MLB package. And like for us here, we don't get the Texas Rangers. We don't get the Astros. We don't get the Cardinals, Royals, Royals, and I think the Rockies. We get the Rockies. Do we get the Rockies? Well, those four, the, yeah, the first four we are okay. blocked out for. I was thinking it was five, but okay, let's let's just say four. Uh, we don't get so so. If all of those teams are playing, that means eight of the thirty in MLB teams aren't available to us on any Kobe, given day. Just drive seven hours to Houston and go to the game. Right. What do you like? Exactly. Yeah, because we can all just drive seven hours to Houston, go to the game in a, in a situation where maybe. They, they're having fans. Maybe they're not. Maybe they have limited capacity. Like, it's so mind-blowing it's so to me. Yeah. It's the stupidest thing. I Like, they are 
heads in the sand dumb at this point to not adjust that situation. And look, like I'm a Rangers fan. I don't get Bali sports. I can't watch the Rangers unless I find like an internet stream anyway. So it's like, it's not even like I get the local broadcast and I can't get it on, on my MLB package. Are you, so I can't watch the Rangers unless I find an illegal stream or drive to Arlington to go to a game. Look, so I guess for anybody that's, doesn't know like how the blackout rules work. Like it's, it's a thing that they did in the seventies and eighties and all that stuff where they would black out your local market. So you could, cause they wanted you to attend the game. Right. Which makes sense. If you live in Houston, the Astros game is blacked out or the Oilers game is blacked out. Right. Go to the game. It's a 30 minute drive. They want you to go buy, pay $5 or $10, buy a ticket and go to the game. Cause they want you to go buy concessions and stuff. Cause that's where they're going to make a lot of money. But now, like you said, we're blacked out from teams that are Kansas City six hours away. To get to Kauffman, you're probably looking at six and a half. Yeah. St. Louis is seven easily. Right. Houston is six to eight hours. Uh, even Dallas, even to get the to Arlington, you're still looking at a three to three and a half hour drive, depending on when you go down there. Yeah. So it's not conceivable. Like if it's football, which the NFL doesn't do blackouts because they don't have regional broadcasts. They don't have local broadcasts. But it's more conceivable if they play one game a week to black that game out in the local market and go so people go to the game. But baseball, they play five games a week. Sometimes yeah. they play seven games a week. You're going to black out every game from a market. Like, it's just not conceivable for people to go to games that often. Um, Especially Iowa. that don't live in that city. They don't even live in the state. Yeah. Iowa. Iowa is blacked out from seven teams. Yeah. They don't even, like, seven. And we're talking about states that don't have Major League Baseball teams. Th- and think about that. If none of those teams are playing each other, and they're all playing different teams, half if you're league, a baseball fan, you, you are cut off from watching half of Major League Baseball that day. Yeah. It's stupid. It's it's compl- it's, a, it, it's a thing that they did 30 years ago, because it made sense 30 years ago, probably. But now, with the internet and all that stuff, like... I I like yeah. You talk to like somebody from Major League Baseball. I'm like, dude, why are you blacking it out? All I'm gonna do is illegally stream the game. You could be making money off of me. Like right. I would buy. I would give you the hundred dollars for the season to have the MLB package if you didn't black out the games. But I'm not gonna buy it because I can't watch my team. I would too. Yeah, agreed. One hundred percent. I would absolutely pay that money to watch all the games. But because I can't, I don't even have access to the team I want to watch. Much less several other teams like like what if i want to watch max scherzer pitch and he happens to be pitching against the astros i can't watch yeah. it yeah like that's crazy now, look, to me what if fernando tatis jr is the biggest star in baseball if he ha- if i want to watch him on a wednesday night and he happens to be playing the royals i'm just out of luck like i just can't yeah. watch it like that's crazy yeah look if if you major league baseball and you say you and like you want you work out that you have this deal where like you're going to black out the regional broadcast when there's on national TV, that makes sense. Right. Like if a team's playing on ESPN that you black out the regional broadcast, whatever. But yeah, to black out a Wednesday night game from a team that's eight hours away from yeah. your area. It just does. It's so stupid. Yeah. And, like, and yeah. once again, in a time where it's, it's not even about filling these places to capacity anyway. Yeah. The baseball teams make all their money. Most baseball teams make majority of their money from their regional broadcast right, deals. Right. So again, if you're in, if you live in New York city, then, and then be blacked and then be blacked out on MLB.com from the Yankees regional broadcast, because they want you to go buy the cable provider and get, you know, 
uh, uh, the the Yankees. What? Yeah. Um, yes, Network. Yes, Network or yeah. uh, SNY if you're a Mets fan or whatever it is, or if like you're in Houston, you know, but they be blacked out from their regional broadcast and go buy the re, you know, the cable and get Root Sports or whatever, but. We can't get Root Sports here. There is no cable provider in Oklahoma City that offers Root Sports Houston or right. offers uh, – uh, what is uh, what's the new Fox Sports thing? What is it? Bali Sports. Bali. We don't get yeah. Bali St. Louis. Yeah. We don't get Bali Kansas. Like we don't get those channels. They don't. They, we couldn't even get them if we wanted to. Our only options are to illegally stream them. Yeah. I actually, like, I, I don't know about this year. I haven't checked. But, like, last year, I could get Cardinals games on the antenna. Like, one of the antenna channels. Yeah, there's, regular, like, a random, like, yeah. Yeah, regularly plays the Cardinals games. But, like, I couldn't get Rangers games. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> and because, I mean, yeah, exactly. Because, like, we get, we have the, I guess it's now Bally or Bally, Oklahoma. Like, the Fox Sports Oklahoma and there's Fox Sports Southwest. Like it's two different like regional channels that yeah. we can't and we can't get yeah. Fox Sports Southwest most in most cases. Yeah, and I'm not criticizing so, like the Bali Sports or the Fox Sports is like I'm not. Oh, it's an MLB. It's thing. an ML. The, my issue is the MLB rules around all of this stuff. It's yeah, mind blowing to me how how they can repeatedly just fail to capitalize on getting eyeballs on their sport and. Like, I, I, we just talked about it. We're both baseball fans. I would absolutely be willing to buy the MLB package if I could watch whoever the hell I wanted to watch, but I can't. Yeah, I mean, there are ways around it. Night, could... There are eight teams that I cannot watch. There are ways around it if you want to buy the MLB package, if you get a, uh, if you use it like a VPN, but then you're just paying for something else. It's a, it, you, it's a whole, it's a hassle. Like, yeah. it's another thing that you have to, you know, fence you have to jump through and, well, like you just, said, just like could, I, I could stream it from my laptop to my television if I if I want to do it that bad, you know. Like if I'm going to go yeah, through the just, trouble of doing a VPN, then I'll just find a, a stream and you know airplay it to my television. Yeah. yeah, the stupid thing is the MLB. It's just at the end of the day, the MLB is keeping money out of their own pockets by blocking out right these markets that are eight hours away from these teams. Yeah, we don't like our, the closest Major League Baseball team to us is three hours away. It's not a reasonable drive. For a weekday game, yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy, man. It's it's so crazy. Uh, it I, I don't even know what to compare it to. Like I was thinking about maybe like the music industry when like Napster and LimeWire and all that stuff first came out, and like how you had the availability of getting that stuff through like downloads. But I don't even know like what the comparison for the the music industry doing what Major League Baseball is doing, where they're just like. Uh, oh, well, you know, don't give us money, even though you can still go get our product for free. Like, please yeah. keep your money in your pocket. Yeah, it's stupid. It's, and you wonder why Major League Baseball has fallen so far behind the NBA and NFL. Yeah. It, it, and the NBA, like, the NBA has does blackouts too. Like, yeah, I, of if course you they have do. NBA League Pass, if I have NBA League Pass, I can't watch the Thunder on there. But guess what? I can watch every other team. Right. <laughs> right. I'm not blacked out from the Rockets. I'm not blacked out from uh, the Nuggets, or I, I don't even think I'm back. I don't even think I'm blacked out from the Mavs. It's that's insane. So stupid. Yeah. Well, and again, we live in Oklahoma City, so it's it's also that's also a completely different conversation than that's what. I, yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. If you're in the city or in that market, yeah. it makes sense. 
like like Houston. If you're blacked out, if you live in Houston, you should be blacked out from the from the Astros right. on MLB League Pass or whatever it is. Because they, so you go by the cable network and get root sports, but like, yeah, it says it makes sense if you're in that market. We're not mm-hmm. in the market for these teams. Yeah, I- Iowa is blocked out from seven teams. Seven. It's so stupid. Right. But I also think, like, just and this probably just is a blanket statement over all sports. In in the pandemic times, like it almost seems you like go you to the lift some, when you yeah. can't even go to games. It seems like that would have been lifted or at least they would have eased up on some of that stuff and and uh, no dice so I don't yeah know. it's weird they, yeah they could have mlb could have banked if they would have lifted the blackout restrictions last year yeah yeah they would start I on time like you know they, they, they were idiots i think in in the whole like negotiation with when they were going to start like they screwed that up massively yeah um look at what that did for the ufc the ufc has grown exponentially because they were they were rolling along when everybody else was dead and they got so many new fans like their new fandom is through the roof simply because they were going when everybody else was shut down baseball could have done the same thing and uh, they completely failed and the funny thing is baseball like the major league baseball they still haven't like they're still behind oh yeah they they just put the nationals just had to put 10 guys on the covid list yeah 10 They've already played a full season of dealing with this, and immediately in the first week, they're already having issues again. Yeah. Oh, the NBA has had how many issues have the NBA had in the past? They've played half a season. They've well, not half a season, but they played an entire playoff run and like ten games plus five months of the season this year. Yeah, and they've had how many issues? Like maybe three or four dudes have been like out with COVID. Right. Yeah. They've they've been nearly flawless. Right. The NFL was. The NFL had very minor issues as well. And the NFL was traveling. The NBA is traveling this year, so it's not like you can use the, well, the NBA was in a bubble. No, they both, both leagues have, been, have traveled, and they don't have issues. The right. NFL has 53 dudes, and teams, for the most part, no issues whatsoever. Had a couple of false negatives last year, or false positives, but, yeah, I mean, other than that, like, they've been, uh, Major Baseball, just, I don't know, they can't figure it out. They're crazy. All right, what did you want to get to? Okay, so, sorry to take us down that rabbit hole. I'm just no, no, I, frustrated I, with that a, whole situation. Same. It's a topic that I was thinking about the other day, honestly, when I was trying to watch some games on uh, the MLB Pass that I borrowed a login for. So nice. I'm not even going to give them money. But uh, I was looking at a mock draft uh, yesterday. What, uh, what? What's going on? Why? Why is Justin Fields falling again? <laughs> yeah, I had I, him, I saw a mock draft yesterday where he was going nine. Dude, it's it's almost like teams just I, don't, I maybe it's all just misinformation. I mean, you know, we're at that point where um, you know guys start dropping and rising for for no conceivable reason, and I think we're you know getting to that stage where there's just so much like we don't really like that guy, but we really do, so we're gonna tell everybody we don't. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't get the the Justin Fields stuff. Like it's. It, to me, it's it's you're it's overthinking the situation so bad. Was his pro day like I didn't like his pro day wasn't bad for no what I the pro day was good and he ran a four four. Yeah, <laughs> like and he's falling to nine in this CBS yeah. mock draft I'm looking at. Yeah, they have Trey Lance taking they have Trey Lance going to San Francisco, which 
Look, if if New York wants Zach Wilson over Justin Fields and San Francisco wants Trey Lance over Justin Fields, then then whatever. Like Trey Lance looks, I've watched some tape of him and he looks yeah. really good. Like yeah. he's really good. So like if you want to make that argument that you want to go Trey Lance at three, that's fine. One season uh, though, and he played what one game this year? One game before they got can the yeah. season got canceled. Justin Fields has played at a high level against the highest competition. He's played in. Uh, you know, Big Ten championship games, uh, semifinals, whatever. You know, they, hell, he played in a national championship game this year. Right. Obviously, they got waxed by Alabama, but still, he's he's played on these big stages against these big teams, and you know that you can't discount that. Um, the the look and like I've heard reports that San Francisco's decided between Trey Lance and Mac Jones. That's that's stupid to me. Why would San Francisco move up to three to take Mac Jones? They could have gotten him wherever they were already slated. They could have moved. I mean, or they could have just moved up three spots. Uh, whatever. Yeah, it is. I, th- like, I think they. I think it was a gamble to just say we're going to get Mac Jones because there. I you can make the argument there were definitely five teams in the top ten as it was before. Three, though they could have no, moved. No, I, like I agree six. with you. Three I, seems like a reach. But if that's the guy that the, I mean, look. I say this all the time. If you believe that is the franchise quarterback that's going to turn things around for you, then you have to go get him. I just don't necessarily agree that he's that guy. So, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you watch the tape. I mean, everybody watches the same tape. We yeah. might evaluate it different, but right. we watch the same tape. Mac Jones is not Trey Lance or Justin Fields. There's, I mean, Mac Jones is good. Yeah, I think he's a good quarterback, but just his physical ability. Like, you don't need to be an expert of on football. Like, I'm not an expert by any means. Yeah, I can. I know that Mac Jones's physical abilities are not what Trey Lance or right. Justin Fields are, and in today's NFL. Like you, you kind of need a athletic quarterback. Like unless you're Tom Brady, like there's only a handful of quarterbacks that just are statues that yeah. are successful. Unless they they just believe that they can protect him. Number which one, they could. I think it, reasonably which, they can. Their offensive lines. They good. have a good offensive line, so if they believe they can protect him, that's not as big an issue. Also, like I kind of look at that offense, and you know, with. Uh, obviously it, do, it almost doesn't matter who they have running the football. They run the ball really well. I think that's more of a scheme thing than anything. That's a, yeah, it's only, but yeah. you have, uh, you have Kittle and uh, Debo Samuel and Ayuk And uh, it, I, I think that they believe that Kyle Shanahan's system is the star of that show, as opposed to having some dynamic playmaker in that position. And if they get a guy in there that can execute what Kyle Shanahan wants to run, then they're going to be fine. And look, I, I said this about Mac Jones all year long. The thing that that makes him special, and to me, this is the only thing that I see that just literally I watch him and I'm like, man, there aren't many guys that do what he does in this area. It's the ball placement. Like when he throws the football to a guy, he puts it in the exact spot that it needs to be for that guy to, even if it's a five-yard route, to catch the ball yeah. and then make a move or just continue running up the field and, and make big plays. His ball placement is elite. So if they believe they can protect him and they believe he's a guy that can just execute the offense the way it needs to be executed, then at that point, it's about just putting the ball where it needs to be for the playmakers to make plays. So that would just be my devil's advocate argument for Mac Jones. But I, I think if you're drafting a, a, a franchise quarterback in that situation... You, based on what you have around him, you have to because the windows and and the you know the the time that some of these guys are at a high level in the NFL, those windows are so short that you have to believe he's going to be able to come in and play at that level almost immediately to take him at three. 
or you believe that he, that skill set is going to be there no matter what you have around him. And and I don't know that either of those is true. I mean, if Trent Williams goes down this year with an injury, is Mac Jones going to be the same guy, right? Like, you, that's right. something you have to consider. So in a perfect world, maybe that Mac Jones pick at three makes all the sense in the world because you feel like you can protect him. But it only takes one injury for that to completely change. And then what is your quarterback situation? So... Again, that, that would be my devil's advocate argument for him, but I'm with you. I would rather have a guy that has a more versatile skill set simply because you don't know that you're going to have that entire offensive line together all year. You don't know when one guy is one play away from going down and you completely have to change everything with your offense. Yeah. And look, I mean, the pass rush, the edge rushers in the NFL today are so good that yeah. having a guy that can extend a play by an extra second. Right. Like it makes all the difference in the world, especially in the NFL where, you know, your windows to, you know, get open and all this stuff are so small that, I mean, if you've got a statue back, like a Mac Jones back there, a statue like a Kyle Trask or Tom Brady, whoever it is, like, I mean, you're just, you're reducing your opportunities to have, to be successful on a play. I I think they'll probably go Trey Lance. I can't, as much as like, they might like Mac Jones, that offense, like you said, it's just your opportunity is so much greater with a, guy that has a little bit more of a broader skill set but um yeah i don't know it's just interesting like i just don't understand like we in the past i love justin fields in that spot by the way i love him in that offense once again if if people are saying that his biggest issue is not being able to read the football field but 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 people pretty much across the board believe that he's he's good at at the pre-snap, hey, this is where I'm going to go with the football. They just mm-hmm. don't think he's good at the the second, you know, if that's taken away, moving on to your second and third options. Um, I Maybe he, he too, might be though. really good in Kyle Shanahan's system, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you always learn that. Like, that's a that's a thing that if you get the right coaching and you, like, it's not inconceivable that he could just learn to read defenses or, you know, at least get better at it. Like, he doesn't have to be an expert coming out of college. It's not everything, but... Yeah, we just we've talked so much over the past two two and a half three months of Justin Fields just like up and down, up and down, and the way that people see him, and I just don't yeah. I don't understand it. Like I've seen nothing from him, even with that bad game that he had against uh, um, Indiana, I think in the Big Ten championship game. Like even that, like he he bounced back in the semifinal and it was amazing. Yeah, like not like he's just because he's not Trevor Lawrence and doesn't have a good game every single time he plays doesn't mean that like he doesn't have so much potential. Well, and Uh, what is a good versus bad game? Like, I I think sometimes it's very easy to get caught up in like, did you throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns or did you throw for like a buck 50 and three interceptions? Or sometimes maybe you threw for 400 yards, but you also threw three interceptions. Like, right. I, I think, there are so many times I think in football where the box score doesn't reflect like what actually happened within the game. Like it tells part of the story, but it doesn't tell the whole story. And I think if you're looking at like what a guy's completion percentage was, you know, it's easy to say he's an accurate passer. Well, what if all those passes are dump downs to your running backs? Like, is that an, I think that, I think that like Jalen hurts at OU is a perfect example of this because there were a lot of games where his box score was amazing off the charts. Yeah. But if you watch the game, it was kind of underwhelming at times. Like yeah. there were a lot of times where you're a little underwhelmed by the performance. Right. So yeah, yeah, it definitely goes either way. Like box scores are very deceiving in both ways. You could make ten bad throws in a game and conceivably throw zero interceptions. Oh, 100%. You could yeah, make a total of three bad throws in a game 
and have three, three interceptions, yeah. and those games are viewed completely different, right? Like, yeah. and I mean, how many how many picks go off a receiver's hand? Like, you exactly. hit the receiver right in the hands, it bounces off, and there's a safety right. Like, yeah, there's- exactly. That's why, like, the I don't get the Justin Fields stuff, even in the Northwestern and Indiana games when. You know, obviously, Ohio State as a team didn't look great, and Justin Fields' individual statistics weren't great. I didn't watch those games and think, man, Justin Fields sucks. Justin Fields isn't playing good. Did he make some mistakes? Sure he did. Uh, Most quarterbacks make mistakes over the course of a game. Sometimes it results in interceptions. Sometimes it results in the defensive back just dropping the football, and you live to see another day. So, Also, there needs to be an aspect of, well, I've watched Justin Fields be really good in 15 games. Yeah. And he's bad in this one game, but like, well, he's bad in this game, so I'm just going to forget about the other 15 games where he was really good and just kind of knock down his stock on this one because of this one. It just doesn't like it doesn't make sense. Uh, a little fantasy uh, draft maneuvering for me. Okay. I, I'm really hoping that Carolina trades up to four or five and gets Kyle Pitts. I know you don't want them to do that because you want Kyle Pitts to fall to 10, but yeah. they got their quarterback. Yeah. If I'm Carolina, I'm. I'm trying as hard as I can to get up and take Kyle Pitts. Yeah, that would that would be heartbreaking. But look, I think with the Darnold trade, the likelihood of Dallas now getting Pitts, like I thought there was a decent chance. Not that it was a great chance, but I thought there was a decent chance that it could fall a certain way and Pitts is there yeah, at 10. Now that Carolina's out of the quarterback race, I think there's very little chance that that Kyle yeah. Pitts is available at 10 because now but, it's, it's Atlanta or Carolina. Um, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, although I still think Cincinnati is offensive tackle Probably more than anything yeah. just because they lost their quarterback last year. Like Yeah, they need to protect there was a there was a meme going around uh the other day. It was like two it was a quarterback throwing a ball to uh to a receiver and then like an offensive lineman blocking a defensive lineman and it was like uh the quarterback like some random offensive some random receiver and then like a good offensive lineman and they completed the pass. And then the other one was like some random offensive lineman and a good receiver and the quarterback was getting sacked. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think that was like the perfect argument for taking Sewell over Pitts if you're Cincinnati. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if Carolina can talk Atlanta into trading out of that four spot because well, yesterday the news was Atlanta's open to trading out of the four spot. So there you go. If they, they could get, I mean, the inner division trade, that's going to be a tough sell. But, I mean, if Caroline can get up to four and take Kyle Pitts, like, you, you got to kind of love what, uh, what Caroline has done. They obviously didn't get Deshaun Watson, but to go into that offense that season next year with Darnold McCaffrey, Pitts, and uh, DJ Moore and Ro- Robbie, Robbie Anderson, Anderson, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to worry about their offensive line a little bit, but yeah. like that's still a pretty damn fun offense, especially with Joe Brady uh, and and Matt Rule. Like that, that'll be a fun team. But yeah, they're also uh, in a situation if they think Darnold's their franchise guy, don't you also need to go maybe get like a if, if a Sewell's still there or Rashawn Slater? Like, yeah, you kind of need to go get some protection because they do have weapons. You don't, you're not desperate for weapons necessarily if you're Carolina right, right now. Um, this mock draft I'm looking at does they they have them taking Slater at eight, which I I Miami's definitely going receiver. Like they're definitely adding a weapon to that offense. Yeah, Detroit and we I've been saying this for since we started talking mock drafts and talking about the draft. Detroit's so bad that who knows where they're gonna go because they really need everything. 
So, yeah, Slater being there at eight is completely conceivable. Now, who knows? And then Justin Fields the nine to Denver apparently, which I I'll be like, I'll be shocked if he if he makes it past four because I think somebody's going to trade into four and draft him. Or somebody trades into four and takes the the you know depending on how people view the quarterbacks, this is the interesting part of this draft. And also depending which guy San Francisco pulls the trigger on at three, somebody out there I promise you loves Justin Fields, and somebody out there I promise you loves Trey Lance. So if both of those guys are available, and let's say San Francisco takes Mac Jones, then I think you know obviously the phone is going to ring off the hook for Atlanta there. Uh, or if Atlanta just takes one of those two guys and the other guy's left, I think Atlanta either can take that guy or, once again, the phone's going to ring off the hook. I just... Uh, if Yeah, if San Francisco takes Mac Jones, that's just going to throw... Like, that's going <laughs> to... That's going to just screw everything up. Yeah. Because like you said, if, you, if you're if you at four and, and uh, Trey Lance and Justin Fields are still available, like, that's... I mean, I cannot imagine... I mean... I guess if you're Atlanta, you could take one of them. I just don't think Atlanta's as desperate for a quarterback right now as some other teams are, like a New England or Denver or... I, I guess... I, I guess I don't know as well. I don't know how if Washington's desperate right now. I don't know if they think that Heineke is somebody that they can potentially do something with in the future, but... I would say no. I think that they probably need a quarterback, but I don't think that they can get up in the top four. But yeah, if Mac Jones going three would just screw everything like that. I'm kind of hoping for it just from an entertainment aspect. Like that would that would be interesting. Uh, I by the way, I looked at a uh, a way too early 2021 mock draft from last April. Oh yeah, uh, pretty impressed. Pretty impressed at the top. Like they okay, pretty accurate. Uh, number one, Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville. Yeah, they nailed it. So good on them. Two, Panay Sewell to Washington. Okay. Um, Sewell not going to, but he'll still be probably top five, top six. Right. Uh, Gregory Rousseau to Cincinnati. That's he, he fell way off. Yeah. He might be the first edge rusher taken still, but he's not going. I, he's not going to go top. The 10. crazy thing is, he might be the first edge rusher taken, but he might be like the fifth or sixth and go in the second round. Right. Yeah. Uh. Miami taking Jamar Chase, which is completely conceivable. That's so why I have them taking at six, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Panthers taking Justin Fields at five, which, oh, you know, a week ago could have been a real possibility. Right. The Jets at six taking uh, Sertan, which not going to happen because, again, Sertan's not going to be in the top ten. He might be. <laughs> this is a guy that I need some clarification on because I don't know where he went. Did he, I don't, he maybe he maybe he went back. He he opted to go back to college. I don't know. I I just haven't I haven't done the research. Uh, they had the Giants taking Justin Ross at seven. Oh, the Clemson kid. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's not in the draft. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. Why I haven't seen well, him. Well, I think if yeah, he he ended up what tearing his ACL last year and he was out for the season. Mm, that makes sense. So, May, I think so. Yeah. I think that's so what he, it was. He, it, he went back. Okay. Maybe it was a different injury, but I know he he uh, he got hurt and missed the year. Gotcha. Okay, so, so that makes sense. Why I haven't seen, like yeah. I said, I just I did no research into looking into why he wasn't. And that uh, was also a year ago, coming off of uh, that a great year. Yeah, that Clemson yeah. blowout of Alabama, and he was a monster in that championship game. Uh, Jalen Waddle at eight to Detroit, which is completely conceivable as well. 
yeah. Micah Parsons to Las Vegas at nine. Again, Parsons is probably gonna be a first round pick, but not probably not gonna be top ten. I, he could uh, go top ten. His pro day numbers. So? Were I just I can't imagine charts great. Yeah, I just can't imagine a defensive guy going in the top ten in this draft. Just because the wide receiver and quarterback class is so strong up at the top. Yeah, uh, my, I think my biggest thing is I, I think that it could be very easy for teams to look at these receivers and just say, this receiver class is so deep later. that I yeah. could still get a really good guy in the second round, but I could get like, a, like the best linebacker in, in the draft in this round. You know what I mean? I could get, yeah, I could get Rondell Moore, the kid out of Minnesota at the beginning yeah, of the second Bateman, round. Yeah, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Toney, yeah. Elijah Moore. I mean, this receiver class is The, uh, the kid out of Michigan. The kid out of Michigan is really Collins, good, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Detroit could easily go linebacker. Like I said a second ago, they're so bad at every position that I wouldn't be shocked if they, you know, they could take anything, really. Carolina also could go linebacker. Their defense needs a lot of help. Yeah, yeah I guess I could maybe see uh, see him. Parsons going there, uh, ten, and then ten. Walker Little to uh, Miami via Houston. That is also a guy that uh, I, I've seen drop a little bit. The uh, Cosme kid out of Texas. I've also seen, he was twelve in the uh, way too early mock draft. He's he's kind of fallen off. I, I don't think probably he ever, a second uh, rounder. Like, I think is the if yeah. I had to bet, he's in the second round. Walker Little's interesting because I've seen I've seen people have him as a first rounder. I've seen people have him as a fifth rounder in in the last <laughs> week. So, yeah, he's really interesting. I and and look, I think there's also the tackles in this draft are interesting because I, like we could see I think six or seven of them go in the first round. Um and Dallas like Dallas needs to get a tackle in this draft somewhere. If you want to go get an elite guy, like I almost wonder at 10 if you don't take like Rashawn Slater for example or maybe it's Vera Tucker who gives you some tackle guard versatility. Like, I almost wonder if they decide to wait and go a different area in the first, like, I don't know what's left necessarily for sure in the second. Like, there could there could definitely be a run on those tackles from 10 to, what is it, 44 or wherever they, 40, mm-hmm. I think 44 where they pick in the second round, where, yeah. like, we see, like, eight guys go. I was uh, I was listening to a, a Mel, the Mel Kuyper Todd McShay draft podcast the other day, and uh, Kuiper said that he wouldn't be shocked if there was something like 27 receivers taken in the first two rounds. Yeah, I could, I mean, 27 receivers. I could see that. And also for that reason, I could also see teams saying, you know what? I'm, I, we'll I don't, wait. yeah, we can wait because there's so many good ones that like, if you don't take, you know, sec, we'll just say second round. Like if you don't take mm-hmm. like Nico Collins, for example, here, um, like Tylen Wallace is probably going to be available in the third round. You know what I mean? Like it's. I just, would imagine so. Yeah, yeah, this this receiver class is insanely stupid good. We've ne- I I don't think we've ever seen a receiver class this great. Like from to where you can get guys that can come in and play. I think through the seventh round. Which is funny because we probably said the same thing last year about the receiver class. Yeah. It just keeps getting better. Yeah. Uh, what about Tevin Jenkins? Is he a, like are you first is he locked in, in the first round for you? Yeah, I think he's a first round pick. Yeah. I think he goes yeah. in the 20s somewhere. Yeah, this mock draft has him going uh 20 to Chicago. Was that this is the year old one? No, 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 no. Oh, you're the, okay, you're in a new one. one. The 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 year old one, he was not. Okay, in the top, I was going to say I don't round. remember him be, having uh that sort of No, yeah, no, no. Spotlight. Uh Creed Humphrey was in the first round of the way too early yeah. mock draft going 27. Um 
he was the only in state, the only in state school guy, yeah. in a, a way too early one. But yeah, it's it's it, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting because in some aspects, like some of these dudes just have changed, not changed in their their stock at all, which it helps when. I don't know if it would have been the same if it wasn't the weird COVID season. Like if Jamar Chase would have played, who knows? He might have fallen down a little bit. Right. Got hurt. Who knows? But him him not playing like kind of just ironically like allowed his draft status and his draft stock to maintain. Well, it's exactly it's him not playing, and then also like he ran the four three forty. Like yeah, so he didn't play. Well, so was, there was no ne- you you didn't see any negative film, but then the measurables were off the charts. I think he was already locked in before he. His pro day, though. Well, for sure, for sure. But I'm saying if he had if he had run a four five, five, yeah, then would, yeah. I, then maybe that opens the door for like Devonte Smith or Jalen Waddle to be in that conversation for the best receiver. But the fact that he didn't play, and then all of a sudden after a year gives you the measurables that you're hoping for, it just kind of solidifies probably everything that you felt about him in the 2019 season. Same thing for like like Patrick Sertan is a really good example of this too. He played. And I think that there was, before his pro day, there was a legit conversation about whether it's Sertan or even Caleb Farley. And then I think two things happen. We find out that Caleb Farley has some back issues. Sertan looks like a effing linebacker and then runs blazing fast. And all of a sudden, like, that conversation's not even being had anymore. Sertan is now the number one corner in this class. Farley might be, Farley's still a first rounder, but he may not even be the number two guy now. That, that's what's interesting about, I think, when you start looking at the player movement over the last month or so, there are guys that didn't play last year and then have great pro days, and it just kind of solidifies maybe your thought on their 2019 season, or maybe they're they're somewhat disappointing in the pro day, and you're like, uh, they haven't played in a year, their measurables weren't great. Yeah, the Farley back thing, so from what I had heard the other day, he had like an operation on it, but it was an outpatient procedure, and he's supposed to be ready for training camp. Yeah. So, and, and he's falling to 32 in this mock draft yeah. that I'm looking at, which, I mean, if Tampa Bay gets Caleb Farley at 32, like, just, I guess the, yeah. what Tom Brady, I don't know what deal with the devil Tom Brady made. Right. But, yeah, no running backs. in the Caleb Farley is the so. smoothest corner in this class. Like, you watch it, he's just, Change of direction, the hips, like he's so smooth. But yeah, I mean, if you have, if you have a guy that didn't, once again, he didn't play in 2020, and then you add the back issue, back like it's thing, like, yeah. oh, like is do we is there's when you add a level of risk to a guy as a first round pick, you just start thinking like, uh oh, like is he's not a guarantee. Whereas with Patrick Sertan, it was like, okay, he's not as smooth. Obviously, watching him, he's a little bit more stiff than Caleb Farley is, but he had great production. And then to get the measurables kind of like punctuates him where it's like, okay, he was really good. And then to see him show up, look as good as he did physically, run as fast as he did, that was like the punctuation mark to be like, yep. Yeah, all right, we have like very little linebacker. Like, like, yeah, he looked like a monster. Yoked, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, a lot of... Uh, I was thinking this the other... I was just thinking this too. Uh, just thinking about that that 2019 LSU team, with the fact that we Justin Jefferson is already a superstar in the NFL. Yeah, Jamar Chase is what he is. Terrace Marshall, like, it's a really good receiver too. Like, it's not really surprising the fact that they scored 9,000 points in the playoffs. Right. But just and then the the Moss kid also, who I don't, 
I don't, he, I don't, did he, I don't think he ever got drafted. I don't think he got drafted. I don't know. Or maybe he got drafted late in the draft, but like he was also really good at LSU. Like that team was stacked. Uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire. Yeah. Clyde Edwards Alaire. Yeah. Was there yeah. like seldom used running back. Uh, right. And yeah, he was just kind of an afterthought in that offense. Like I remember going into that OU semifinal game and remember he was hurt and there was a question about whether he was going to play. And I was like, Guys, this guy is a monster. Like, everybody so talks about Burrow game. throwing the football. But this guy is like the, I mean, he catches the ball out of backfield. He's a really good running back. Like, he's the forgotten guy in this offense that just makes big plays every time they're out there because you're so worried about Jamar Chase and I, Terrace Marshall and Justin Jefferson. I think Alaire was the best player on the field in that Alabama game that yes, year. agreed, 100%. He was like, he, like, I watch it. I remember watching that game. Uh, we watched a little bit while we were doing pregame, and then we finished it in the press, in the press box. box. And like yeah. that was the dude that I was like, yeah. "This guy's." He took over that game. Like he yeah. dominated the second half of that game. Yeah. Isn't it funny to look back on that LSU team now, especially, and then think about the semifinal matchup and how many times they were able to get like Justin Jefferson, who is an NFL superstar, as you just mentioned, lined up against like Buki or. <laughs> Not, what are you gonna do if you're Oklahoma? Right, like, like yeah, that was my point do. going into that game. That like I was like, you're gonna LSU is going to get some, and then and then when uh, OU was lo- losing players, and I for, who was it the who was the safety that was out? Was it Fields? Or was it? I can't um, remember now, but I remember saying like that to me was the most devastating because LSU is gonna get some some matchups in this game that they're just going to exploit. And probably exploit the I don't whole game because OU just doesn't have. An I, I don't think it would have mattered. Like, well, it probably we, wouldn't have. LSU, but I mean, you're going from a bad starter in the secondary to a backup oh, starter in yeah. the secondary to face NFL receivers. Yeah, and there's when they destroyed Clemson. Like, there was. Just, I don't think there was a single team in college. I don't know if there was a defense in college football history that would have maybe like those Miami teams in the two thousand early two thousand. Like, but still, like. I, there's very few teams in the history of college football that would have had a defense that could match up for 60 minutes against that offense. Yeah, nobody could. And and, and then it's worse when, you know, it's, I mean, they just took it from OU. Like, it was yeah. easy. They didn't have to work for it. Like, that was the thing. No. Like, they didn't even have to work for it. It was just there. Well, and it, like, go get it. And, two, the OU offense was not, like, Though that that OU offense was not built to keep up right. with a team like LSU. Maybe if right. it was like the Kyler Murray offense or something like that, maybe yeah. they could have kept up a little bit better. But even then, like that LSU defense has studs on it too. They had Patrick Queen. The they had a uh, the uh, freaking the cornerback that I can't remember. He was a freshman that year, but he was really good. Oh, Stingley. Yeah, Stingley. Yeah, and then they had another. I think they had another cornerback that Fulton. got drafted. Yeah, I think he was a yeah. second round pick. Yeah, they, they, even yeah. on defense they had. It, man, it's it's just crazy that, that LSU team, like, yeah, Delpit, yeah. Just like a, out of, like, their offense a year before in 2018, Burrow, the first year that Burrow was there, like, they were good, but, like, they just, like, off the charts the next year, like, yeah. out of, like, not really out of nowhere if you were keeping up with them, but, like, it's not like we saw, like, it was a slow build. Like, it came out of nowhere. Like, these dudes were just unbelievable. Yeah, they're, I mean, that, that offense sick. Sick. Great. And and look, it's only going to be remembered more favorably as Jamar Chase gets into the league and Terrace Marshall gets into the league and Burrow and good. Justin Jefferson yeah. and Clyde Edwards-Alaire do more. Like, it's 
Yeah, it's crazy. Um, have you? We talked about this a while back as far as this draft class, uh, and and maybe not feeling like there are those guys that you just like love. Uh, have you, as this thing has gone further on, like started to find some of the dudes that just like kind of stand out above the rest? Yeah. Um, you would think I would remember his name a little bit better. The the kid out of Michigan, the receiver. Nico um, Collins. Nico Collins. Yeah. I really like him. He's a big physical dude. Um, I've seen PFF compare him to like a DK Metcalf, which I – I don't know if I want to go that far to say that he's on that level of being like the most gifted athlete on the field and also like a pretty talented receiver, but I still like him. I like the, uh, and, uh, I'll get these names down better as we go. The, uh, the, the, uh, the kid, the running back out of uh, North Carolina, um, Javante Williams, the, no, the other one, Oh, Michael Carter. I actually like Michael Carter a little bit better. Really? Than okay. Yeah, I think that uh, I, I Carter. I, I don't know. I like Carter. He's he's he seems a little bit more active with his feet, and his cut seem a little bit better to me. Um, I'll watch a little bit more and do a little bit more research. But uh, I liked his tape. I liked what I saw. Uh, I like Rondell Moore a lot too. But yeah, he's had injury issues. Uh, he really hasn't produced at a high level since what, like 2018. Um, yeah. But I still think that if you get him in the right system in the slot, like he could be a really productive player. Uh, My I, thing I, with him is like I don't know that you couldn't get Kadarius Tony or, or like Elijah, Elijah Moore. Moore to do the exact yeah. same thing. Yeah, that's very true. Um, the kid out of Minnesota, Bateman. Uh, yeah, he's complete opposite. Like he's not like the the fast like slot guy, but I think that. Like you said, those slot fast guys are a little bit easier to find. Finding a guy like a, a, a physical like Bateman yeah, guy, like that X. could be a Chase Claypool, like yeah. that's a little bit. You're, those aren't as easy to find, I don't think. So, uh, I like him. I'm gonna start watching more defensive guys here over the next couple of weeks. I've mostly just watched the quarterbacks and the skill position guys. Yeah. Um, I've seen some clips of of uh, of Jenkins, and I, I mean. Obviously, a lot of people are liking his tape right now because he's just shooting up the draft boards. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, and I was watching Trey Lance this morning, and that dude is, I think he's really good. Like, there's some like questions, obviously, with the competition and all that and not playing last year, but like his throwing motion is like pretty almost perfect. Like, it's a pretty damn like fundamentally sound throwing motion. Plus, he's super athletic. Yeah. Like if if San Francisco could get a guy that's as athletic or more athletic than than what Kaepernick was, but like ten times the passer, like I think they would be stupid not to take him at three. And I think right now, from what the tape I've watched, I don't know how much separation other than again the competition a conversation. I don't know how much difference there is between Fields and Trey Lance. Yeah, I think to me Fields looks more polished, but. Uh... Like, if you are, let's go back to a year ago. Remember the Packers situation? They took Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. I like Trey Lance infinitely more than Jordan Love. I think Trey Lance I, yeah, is I, the guy that if you want to take a quarterback and you're in the situation where he doesn't need to play in year one, that's the perfect situation. Now, I'm not I'm not saying he can't have success in year one. I'm just saying we're talking about a guy that played one football game in 2020, had a single season as a starter at the quarterback position, 
on a, a completely different level of competition. So I, this is just my assumption. My assumption is not having played for a full year and the level of competition that you're about to face on a daily basis is going to be drastically different. To me, that would point toward maybe needing a year before you're ready to compete against NFL defenses. But again, I, I'm not saying that he can't do it. That just seems like it would be the most ideal situation. So if the Packers were, were to have taken him a year ago in that situation, I would have said that's a home run. I didn't think Jordan Love was that guy. I still don't. I, I, I don't I, get it. I, I don't think he, I, I never thought he was a first round talent quarterback anyway. Whereas with Trey Lance, I'm like, if this guy hits, like he could absolutely be a franchise quarterback. Like the skill yeah. set is, is off the charts. Fantastic. Yeah. I, yeah. The, <laughs> I agree. I don't, the Jordan Love thing last year, I was like, I don't get why this guy's a first round pick. I don't. Like, are we, is it just because he's a quarterback and like, you've got to, some teams just like feel like they need to take a quarterback, which, you know he what? He was like if the best the, available quarterback. So it's like, all right, let's just go get him. If the only reason for drafting Jordan Love was just to piss off Aaron Rodgers and so he'd be the MVP, you know what? It was worth it. Go ahead yeah, and waste that first round pick on Aaron Rodgers being MVP again. Um, by the way, did you see uh, the clip of, so he's been hosting Jeopardy, yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Did you see the clip of the guy? on final jeopardy saying why would you kick the pill goal oh no i didn't see it oh you should watch it okay. yeah so they're on final jeopardy and uh, one of the guys writes in like who would kick that pill goal oh. and uh aaron was like hmm, yep that's amazing good answer that's wrong so good, but good yeah, answer. i'll go check that out yeah that's funny yeah um uh I mean, Trey Lance, though, i think would make all the sense in the world for atlanta because they have matt ryan and for what we yeah, just spoke of no like rush. yeah yeah, I mean, I think Matt Ryan still probably has a couple of years of being a top twelve quarterback. Yeah, like he, he's, I mean, yeah, but, um, and then obviously like the guy, like the can't miss guys, like the Jamar Chase and like Kyle Pitts, like those dudes. Obviously, I like, but I, to be honest with you, I just haven't watched as much tape of them, or just because I know I know how good they are. Yeah, that I don't really feel like I need to do much more than what I already know. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's. The more I watch it, there's more dudes that I like, and I, I think that there's less difference to me and a lot of these yeah. guys that are going in the first round. like uh, To me, like all the running backs for the most part, I don't really see like a huge difference. I, I, I don't – and I think that's probably just like part like just part of the NFL and like football and the, yeah. the running backs are a little bit more like just – fill in the blank and just kind of get a guy and put him in there. And like, you could probably make it work if the system works and you have a good offensive line. Yeah. But like, I like ETN. I like Najee Harris. I, I like, uh, the Carter kid out of, out of North Carolina. But like at the end of the day, like, I don't think that ones, I don't think there's a big difference between any of them. Yeah. I, to me, there are, there's a clear top three in the running back department and ETN it's, Harris and ETN Harris. And then I like the other, UNC running back Javante Williams. Like I, I actually, I enjoy watching Javante Williams more than Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Like the more I've watched him, I'm like, man, I like this kid. He blocks, he catches the ball out of the backfield. I, I just think he, he is, he, he's just, he jumps off the page. Uh, there's just a, like a burst between the tackles and making guys miss. And um, he's just, he's fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, after, I think after those top three for me, like it's, I don't know if you don't get like one of those, if you need a running back and you don't get one of those guys in the you know first couple rounds where they're going to go, then there's no urgency in my opinion 
to take one the rest of the way because there's just a whole bunch of guys that I think are in a pretty tight group the rest of the way. Yeah, I agree. Um, and again, it's the running back position. Like you could, you could bring in an undrafted running back and yeah. get production out of him in the right offense. Like Kyle Shanahan. Like I think it would be stupid for Kyle Shanahan to draft a running back in the first three rounds. Yeah, because you just don't. He doesn't need to. Like he right. just do whatever he wants with anybody and make it work. Obviously, some guys are better. Like Raheem Mostert is a better option than. Uh, I don't know who, what other running, like there's some guys are just right. better options, but you could still make it work with other dudes. Like, I mean, how many guys did, uh, did Mike Shanahan have thousand yard seasons with in Denver? Exactly. Everyone, yeah. like everyone. And like there is, yeah. um, I, I'm just, I'm not saying this guy's going to be a star. I'm just using this guy as an example in this draft. Cause I see him going in like the seventh round a lot. Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana. He's five ten. he's 200 pounds and he runs a four, three, eight. Like, if you could get that guy in the seventh round to just yeah. be a, you know, a maybe he hits and maybe he becomes a, you know, a primary back or maybe he's a rotational guy, but like that's, that's a seventh round pick for that guy. Like that's totally fine yeah. with me. If that, if 100%. that's the running back option instead of like using a second round pick on one of those guys, which is what, you know, I mean, that's, that's a huge reason why you don't see running backs going in the first round anymore. I don't think that we'll ever, see like i i honestly don't think we'll ever see another running back go in the top five for at least i I don't know if i want to say ever but it will be a long time before we see a running back go in the top five again i think that as good as you know like ezekiel elliott has been and like i think he's the perfect example of it working out i still think that like his production at running back isn't necessarily so immensely better than somebody you could have gotten in the second round that you know you can justify and then you could the Leonard Fournette's a perfect example of not taking a running back in the top five yeah I mean Which the Leonard Fournette thing was there will be another Adrian Peterson type guy at some point that Peterson wasn't even a top five pick though what was he six yeah, seven I think was he seven six yeah. or seven yeah he was but he wasn't in the top five um the Leonard Fournette one like uh, yeah that's just kind of unforgivable like yeah he's not even a top he's not even a first two rounds talent <laughs> I mean, the Buccaneers would disagree. Well, yeah, but it, if you want him to run in a straight line, then right, sure. Right. Just make sure he doesn't have to juke anybody. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, we will um, we will do a lot of NFL draft stuff next week. We'll obviously hit a bunch of defense. Um, there is, uh, I, I've got a bunch of stuff I want to hit on the on the draft next week. So we'll uh, we'll talk and and uh, get that all sorted out. But uh, maybe we'll do some player rankings positionally. All right. Yeah, so let's do that. that'll be fun. We've got a we've got a big NFL draft thing coming up uh, that uh, should be able to let people know about next week. So cool. Yeah, it'd be yeah. fun. I think we should. Uh, I think we should do our own mock draft on the because uh, we'll record our episode the day before the draft. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do like do that. a first round mock or something that night just to see yeah. how how stupid we are. Yeah, that'll be fun. Because uh, okay. I think there are like fifty players that could be first round. I mean, it, you know, it's a matter of preference. Who knows? Yeah, and we know who the first two are going to be, and then after that, like, yeah, total crapshoot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll do that, and um, then I believe so. WrestleMania is this coming Sunday, correct? I believe so. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday. I think okay. they're doing two nights. Oh, it's two nights. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Um. So I think we're gonna do a WrestleMania draft on Friday. Uh, where okay. we're drafting wrestlers. So that'll be. There's so much going on this week with like the end of college basketball, the beginning of major league baseball, the masters is happening this week. Um, Now we got nothing. 
Like I was like, we could go in a bunch of different directions. So I, my thinking was, let's just do something unique as opposed to like what everybody else is probably doing. So I thought right. WrestleMania is coming this week. So our draft this week will be something like WrestleMania related. So I've got an idea. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shoot you over the info and, and we'll, uh, we'll figure it out, but I think it'll be fun. Yeah. And no, it'll you know, be fun. Yeah. yeah. They're supposed to be and they're They're having, they're going to have fans at WrestleMania. Like they're supposed to have like 40, 50,000 people like yeah. tickets sold each night. So, uh, it'll be like the first, I mean, unless you watch the Rangers game the other day, which by the way, did you see the, did, did that give you anxiety at all? Like seeing that full stadium? Not really. Um, I, I, I've seen a lot of people say that and I, I get it. Like I, I understand it. If, if it does, um, but yeah, no, I didn't, it didn't really phase me. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I saw the clip on Twitter and I was like, ah, like I, 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 if yeah. it happened again, I wouldn't be as like anxiety you right. know, inducing in the second time, but just the first, because it's the first time we've seen a full stadium in the world. I think yeah. maybe outside of like South Korea or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, but I think WrestleMania is the first like major, like once a year, like event that, is going to have like 50,000 people at it. So nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, at some point you have to rip off the bandaid and, and just do it. Yeah. Do it and see what happens. And, and, you know, if we discover that, uh, it was a bad idea, then, you know, we have just to go wait back longer, to where then we was, have to go yeah. back to where we were. But like, at some point you have to cross that threshold and I'm ready to be there. Cause yeah. I, yeah, I need, I need a college football season with fans. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I'm glad they did it. Um, you know, again, I, I don't want anybody to lose their life. And if all of a sudden there's like this massive sp spike and there are a bunch of really sick back, people, yeah. then that would suck. But at the same time, like at some point that's going to happen. So I, I don't know if there's ever going to be a point where everybody's like unanimously like today's the day that we're filling stadiums. Let's do it. So, yeah, I yeah. give it a try. See what happens and, and uh, adjust accordingly, I guess. Well, shout out to the Rangers for ripping the <laughs> bandaid off. I just don't understand the we're okay to do full capacity today, but then tomorrow. But not we're, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it's it so a, stupid. I guess, is it a wait and see like how all that plays out? And yeah, maybe it was know. like a test thing. And then test maybe, the, yeah. maybe in May they'll go back, they'll do full capacity. Yeah. Right. Who knows? Yeah. That is weird though. Just to be like, well, this one game's fine. Yeah. We're going to do it today, but tomorrow we're going to be very cautious. So yeah. I again, maybe it's just the, Hey, we're going to give it a test run, see what happens, make sure there aren't any like, major catastrophes because like i said at some point you have to go forward and i don't know that oh. there's ever going to be a good moment for everybody to say like yes this is the time i think we joked about it last week i think the rangers probably know like they're probably like oh no we're, we're only doing full capacity on, on opening day and then after that it's restricted yeah it's not because we know we can't sell that many tickets right <laughs> it's because we're restricted we're, no, we're just it's for covid <laughs> restrictions yeah it just so happens that opening day is going to sell out anyway, and probably the second yeah. game's not going to be nearly as anticipated. So we totally could have sold out the second game, but we decided, we decided to yeah. restrict it yeah. because of COVID. Yeah. 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 All right. Good stuff, my friend. Uh, I'll touch base with you. All right. See you later. See ya. Thanks to Aaron Davis, our weekly Wednesday guest on the Colby Daniels podcast, which is presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with these products or their benefits, it's all about educating yourself, and they have a staff that's dedicated to helping you live a better life. So ask questions, educate yourself. Uh, don't be afraid to give them a call, 405-458-9699. Plus, we're saving you 15% when you order online, abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code Colby Show, C O L B Y S H O W, discount code Colby Show to save 15% at A Botanical Company. 
Com. They have a drive-through for pickup, so it's easy, safe, and efficient pickup at Artisan Botanicals. Once again, abotanicalcompany.com. Everybody, have a great day, stay safe, and I will see you soon. Okay, it's over.